0: Hi, my is Erica Budd, and I'm on the Culture Matters Podcast.
1: When you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Hi, Erica. Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening. I have I have, I have somewhat of a clue where you are, but not a hundred percent. Plus, the audience, of course, evidently doesn't know you. Um, neither do I, a hundred percent though. So, give me and give us a bit of an introduction about who you are, where you are, and um, what is your cultural frame of reference. In other words. Cultural frame of reference is not a holiday to Cancun. Um, That is not a cultural frame of reference, necessarily, necessarily. So go ahead, please.
0: And it's funny you say that because I'm originally from California, which Californians, everywhere they go is Mexico. So they think, I've, I've traveled out of the country, right? I've gone to Mexico. But it doesn't count when you just go for a little cruise or, a, 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 you know, across the border. But- yeah, or
1: a resort even. I mean, if you, I had a cousin who went to the Dominican Republic from the Netherlands to the Dominican Republic, stayed in that resort for two weeks, didn't see anything. So that's yeah, not I a cultural frame a, of reference.
0: A girlfriend of mine, because my big thing, which I I, I will tell you, but... Um, is, is traveling with their children to open them to culture, right? And she said, okay, i travel with my son now. I'm like, oh, really? Where did you go? Because she's traveled like to like 75 countries. Where'd you go? Oh, we went on a cruise, like a Caribbean cruise. I'm like, that doesn't count. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so nothing against these cruises, but for a true yeah. taste of culture, that's not what you're going for. But Indeed. anyway, so my background, um, I actually am based in Chicago right now. Uh Um, I started traveling when I was 18 as an au pair, um, in Madrid had an awful experience and somehow that did not deter me from traveling. Um, I've never been around anyone who's traveled my entire life. Uh, in fact, when I started traveling out of the country, my family would say to me, why? Like I had several people ask me that, um, which I think is the mentality of the average American. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did and I was also of the mindset, I'm a single mom. Um, I was also of the mindset that I did not want to travel with my child until he was old enough to appreciate it. It was too expensive. Mm-hmm. That's completely changed as well. So now my whole focus, I've, I've before my child, I traveled to about 30 countries. Um, I lived in Australia for three years, which was mm-hmm. an amazing experience. I was in a career, I'd been kind of searching for a career that was fulfilling and it I always tried travel because I do love to travel the world, but the travel industry is not easy. Um, mm. So that led me to what I do now, which is I write children's books about countries with the whole goal of trying to inspire them to travel, hopefully one day to the places they're reading about, to try to get, introduce them to these cultures that they're not aware of, to try to get their parents excited about it. So that's my way of trying to, introduce culture into their lives um, and to to really think that, hey, I could do this one day. So I do that. And I also have a podcast where I I speak purely with parents to try to inspire other parents to travel abroad with their children.
1: So basically, if I summarize this whole thing, you're an enlightened American.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not your typical American.
1: Well, it's something that does come up. I mean, when I do my workshops, I, I ask a question, which, which two countries are the most ignorant when it comes to cultural differences? Uh, or most insensitive, not ignorant, insensitive. Usually people come up with Americans uh, because it seems to be such an obvious thing. And I, I disagree with that. I disagree with that for the following reason, that the, that... Um, quite a big percentage, if not half of the population, doesn't have a passport. You don't also don't need a passport. If you want desert, it's around the corner. If you want sea, it's around the corner. S- skiing year-round, of course you can. Why would you need a passport in that in that huge country? Um, and the other reason is, is that when you turn on the local news, no, when you turn on your TV and you listen to... Well, either even if it's CNN or your NBC or ABC, you get the news with a with a twenty mile radius around where you are. That's the, so the the pram trips, and that is important. That we've got somebody on the spot, and he's going to interview <clears throat> and stuff like that. So it's not it's not strange that Americans are not are not aware of what goes on in the rest of the world. You really have to reach out and search for it.
0: Well, and our biggest issue right now is. Whatever is on the news, you have to see what if it's true. So even if you do hear about mm-hmm. things going on around the world, you know, so many Americans are blinded to whatever the news says is accurate, but it's, it's also not true. So you're not really getting a true representation of true. other cultures anyway, because what's being told to you yeah. is not usually accurate.
1: Not always, at least. It makes sense to check. I once saw a Facebook post passing by, by somebody who I vaguely know. And there was a statement. And then I, I, I simply said source question mark. And then yeah. he came back. Is that important? <laughs> well, I think really <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Well, if you don't get that, then okay. You believe anything that, um, that anything that publishes. I have a, uh, given your introduction, I already wrote down a few questions for you. Um, The the countries that you traveled, you said thirty countries. Any preference for a country that you have been?
0: Um, honestly, kind of like I've been to a couple countries multiple times because, like, my son and I just got back from living in Barcelona for a month um, because I wanted to kind of get immersed in the culture more. So I chose a month during the school year to take him to. And can I ask how old he is, please? My son is nine.
1: Nine. Okay. All right. Yeah,
0: he's nine. He's young. So, um, but it was really important to me. It just kind of worked out that way. And I just really wanted to get immersed in that culture a little bit. So now Barcelona at the moment is my favorite. So my favorite type of vacation is the one that I can really start to learn the culture. Before that, it was uh, Vietnam, which Uh believe it or not, was on a river cruise. But I do believe that river cruises are much different than ocean cruises. I guess so, yeah. They are because like on this trip, we were, we didn't stay, like we didn't go into any of the main areas. We were going down the Mekong river, Mm -hmm. you know, we were, we were visiting the homes. We were spending the days with the locals. It was, it was wonderful. And that, I love that because again we were getting to understand how the locals in the rural areas live, you know, we went Mm -hmm. to the schools, we went to the homes, we went inside. So it was, I enjoyed that experience as well. So.
1: And you speak Spanish then as well, going because you you, you spent no, some time that's in Madrid, why I went you know, to Spain.
0: Barcelona. Yeah, Pardon? no, that's why I chose Spain, honestly. But I okay. didn't know that Barcelona a Spanish is their second language, not their primary. So it ended up backfiring a little bit.
1: Right, <laughs> it's more of an accent. This Catalonia is a bit more of a well, I never say that to a Barcelonian. You know. Yeah, for me, what I understand, anyways, um, it, it's the most learned language for Americans, Spanish is.
0: It is because we have yeah. such a huge Mexican population. Mm-hmm. So ah. it, it is. Um, I do have a Mexican background, though. So um, I do want to learn. My son and I really am trying to learn Spanish. I wasn't raised Spanish, but that was one of the reasons for being in Spain twice, both as an au pair and then as I was older. But
1: okay,
0: not as right. easy. Cool. All right. Um, <clears throat> so Barcelona was
1: nice. Uh, was nicer than Madrid, at least.
0: You know, I, well, the experience was Madrid itself is wonderful. I really liked that experience. I mean, I like the town itself of Madrid, but Barcelona, I was just able to really enjoy while I was there. So I loved it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. Why, why did you pick children? Why not educate adults who usually, usually have a bit more of a frame of reference and can understand somewhat more of a, to some extent, more or lesser extent theoretical background?
0: Well, a couple reasons. One, if you start with them younger, then hopefully as they get older, it's going to be a no brainer. Like starting with my son, taking him now, he doesn't know anything different. He just like he talks to his friends. I'm going to live in this country. when He was just saying that this morning. I'm going to live in this country when I'm older because I started with him young. He knows that that's even an option. He even thinks about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why I start with kids, because I think that now they once you introduce them to the fact that this is a possibility, uh-huh. That stays in their head as they get older. Right. Um, and they're, to me, they're easier to get excited. Right. They see these beautiful pictures and these picture books and they go, wow, I could do that. That's so cool. And, and my books are a little different as well in that they include augmented reality technology. So what that means is that like there's a QR code, you scan a certain page. So like first books on Australia. So when they scan the page on Great, Great Barrier Reef, they actually see real video footage of the Great Barrier Reef so that they can get excited. And so I go to schools and I share my book and the kids are like, wow, well, I know that that made an impression on them. I right. know that those kids are excited about Australia. And then when they think about traveling, they go, oh, I want to go to Australia one day. So okay. I think it's easier to excite kids than it is to excite adults who okay. have adult problems you know, adult <laughs> responsibilities. Right. Okay. Well,
1: and the question I'm asking is for one, because I, I do know that you that you write children books typically on uh, and introduce them to different cultures. I do the occasional work for students. Students, okay. what is it, 17, 20 years old, something like that. And I find them the most ungrateful audience I can get, not because they're <laughs> ungrateful people, just because they have no frame of reference. If I mm-hmm. tell them that that hierarchy in Russia is higher than in the Netherlands, for instance, they go, they'll look at me. Yeah, I guess I, I guess it means nothing to them. Is there, yeah. and the reason I'm asking this, is there a, an age where your son, your son is nine? Um, the first time i was i traveled internationally i was 13 uh, which was 1976 that does when, when the animals were started we were still talking a long time ago is there a, an optimal age where where kids are receptive and understand these things and will they grow out of it if you don't expose them to it if you understand my question
0: yeah i do think i i so for me and like i said i was a parent that was adamant not to take my kids until they were older and uh-huh. what changed my mind was um, I was a single parent. I met I met a couple in Australia, and they said, "Come visit us." And I was like, "Well, we can either stay here for New Year's, or we can go visit them for New Year's." So it's yeah. like, let's just go, and we're just going to wing it, and I'm going to hope for the best. And when I saw, we ended up doing a, a a day layover in China, and so I took you know I got a visa and I took him out because I wanted him to see a little bit of it. Yes, it was only a day, but it was mm-hmm. his first introduction. He was mm-hmm. five, and he. You know, looking out the window and his eyes were so big Mm because he'd never seen anything like that. Right. Just just the drive from the airport to our hotel was a good 45 minute drive. But he didn't see all the chaos, the lights that it was just something he'd never seen before. Different foods that he was willing to try. And then back at the airport, he was playing with a little Chinese boy and they couldn't understand each other. And they were having the greatest time. And I'm like, you know what? This is why I need to travel with him because look at, he might not remember it all, but it's still being introduced to him. It's still something that again, it's, it's, and the more I do it, the more he's going to get this experience and this feeling and this, wow. And this it's also memories for me too. It's like, I got to see that expression on his face that I gave him that. Yes. You can have it domestically as well, but I do think it's different when you have different cultures that are so different than your own. So to answer your question, I used to think it was teenagers. I actually think younger. I I speak with a lot of parents who have young kids that it's like, they're not going to remember it, but they all share similar stories about the first look on their faces and that they're teaching their kids, certain language, like basic words when they go to different countries. Now I think that starting around four or five is the perfect age. Cause again, it gets them excited. It gets them, it gets them used to it. I actually have a, there's a, 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 Eric, ba- Eric stone. He's a we're travel babo. He's traveled to a hundred different countries mm-hmm. and he's taken to his kids or he's taking his kids to, I think 40 or 50, but big number of them. A number, yeah. Now that his kids are all teenagers, they don't want to travel anymore. So it's interesting you say that because yeah. they've only known travel. Now their priority is popularity at school. Like they don't want to miss out on school and, and being a teenager at school. So I get it. I mean, they were the opposite. They were introduced to it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, been there, done that, you know? Now, I don't necessarily think that's the case because I think once they get past that phase, they're going to have in their roots. I still think it's, it's, it's changed who they are as human beings. Mm-hmm. And so I still wouldn't trade doing it younger for anything.
1: Right. Okay. Um, I'm, try- I'm, I'm trying to put a reference of my own, my own experience. When I traveled first to the US, which was my first transatlantic or international um, holiday, that was in 1976. The world was still a big mm-hmm. place at that time. It wasn't really obvious for to, to go to New York for three days, for instance. And I can remember being 13 years old and getting out of the plane. And my first question on my mind was, are the cars really that big? The cars that I've seen on TV are they really that big? But thinking back, nineteen seventy-six, the cars were huge, One of those massive yeah. cars. And, and then I can also remember mm-hmm. we got to Hertz, um, uh, Hertz rent a car, got into the car, never driven an automatic car, power steering, power brakes, electric wind it just didn't exist, <laughs> at least not yeah. not in the cars that we had here in, in Europe. And um, so my dad started the car. I was in the front seat. I had to be in the front seat. And so he started the car, and we were both with our ear towards the engine. Is it running? Because you can't hear it. Really, you know those small European cars are—they—they they sound like coffee grinders when you start them. So you will hear them, um, but these big American <laughs> eight-cylinder, five-liter, whatever V8—you—you you couldn't hear. What um, I and and here comes the other uh, the question and see if you agree. What I do in my free time? I give tourist guides, cycle tourist guides in Paris. So I'm a guide as well. That, but I do that for fun. This is my work. I do that for fun, okay. and I see adults, right? I, I, majority are adults, and we go travel a few, see a few places. I explain a few things, and I point out a few areas to them. Um, and I say, I tell them, skip the Louvre, skip the the Eiffel Tower. Go there if you want to see somewhat of Paris and not be surrounded by tourists all the time. You know, just pick that area for a change. You'll see somewhat of real Paris but they're too rigid mm-hmm. for that. Is, is that an experience you have as well with people that get older, they get more fixed. I need to see the Louvre. I need to see the the, the Palais Royal or whatever, whatever the, the, the tourist traps are.
0: I think that you have to remember, it's kind of going back to how our conversation started that for a lot of people, that's all they've ever heard about these countries. Uh-huh. So it's, It's these tourist places are the only thing you're ever going to hear about most of these countries. So they've been hearing about it their whole lives. So it's more of a, I have to see it because it's, I've been hearing about this place forever. You know, this particular place, the Eiffel tower, the Louvre. that's in school or whatever, because our, our, we're introduced to so little Mm -hmm. that yeah, it's more of a, it's, it's, I've been here. It's the, like America, a lot of people who want to come to the States. It's, for some reason, and see it's kind of opposite, because for some reason we can't wait to go to the States. You guys have this and you guys have that. Again, it's what you hear, right? Right. You want you want to go to New York because you've seen it on TV or you've heard about it. Yeah, well, I don't really have a desire to go to New York, you know, does nothing for me. But again, for people out of our country, you hear about that or you hear about um Las Vegas, right? Yeah. It's it's the wow factor. Opinion. Yeah. Now a lot of what?
1: I have been there, yes, twice.
0: Yeah. yeah, and again, though, those are your touristy spots that when you go to the States, you have to go to certain places. It's the same for each country. It's, it's yes, the 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 local areas are interesting, but we have to hit those spots because it's the places we've heard about, yeah. and it's the same, I think, either way. Yeah. And And not only that, but as Americans, I mean, how many Americans do you know that get a long period of time to stay anywhere? No. They don't, no. right? So they're trying to... Maximize their time as much as possible. And if they don't have time to see anything, they're at least gonna see the places they've been hearing about their whole lives.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a and I'm gonna move on to the next question, but one thing I'd like to I'd like to give to you as well. Emily in Paris, Netflix series, right? Hugely yeah. popular with, typically with Americans. And they're at the house where Emily goes, where Emily lives there's um so which which really exists and there's a little square that really exists and that little restaurant really exists all that stuff is really really there on that little square but next to the door it's painted Emily not welcome the Parisians are sick and tired of this because there are people are hanging around there so yeah
0: yeah. well it's like the whole Downton Abbey or you know yeah that whole crowd where you just have to go to find yeah yeah, is there
1: are there any kids that um, in your experience that are colorblind, so to speak, colorblind? With colorblind, I mean that they, they don't see, um, say, racial differences uh, or cultural differences. It it is this is what it is, and this is also okay. Um, this comes from a term from from South Africa. When South Africa abolished um, apartheid, they come they came with this generation kids that were colorblind. The whites and the and the coloreds they didn't see each other as white or colored. They saw each other as Sam and John.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it depends on where you are, and 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 like at least in America, you're going to find more colorblindness than you are with other kids who are ingrained in them still to uh-huh. see color. I would say the majority, and I can only speak for the states, I would I would say the majority of people in the states are the kids are colorblind. Yeah. Um, I I really do believe that. Mm -hmm. Um and 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 when I take my son out of the country and I'm reminded of it all the time. And and it goes back to what I was saying when he was five in China, he didn't care what the boy looked like. He just wanted to play. Like, I don't care what you look like, you know. And and he's the same that he's the same in school, but it does, I do think that. Traveling with him at such a young age helps because again, he's, he's, he hasn't been, the world hasn't jaded him yet. Right. Right. So he just at that stage just wants to have fun and wants to play and whatever color it looks like to him, he doesn't, he doesn't doesn't see any of that.
1: It's the play that's important. It's not the color.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Um, How do you, which is for me a nice segue, how do you teach kids then to about or about new cultures uh, can you, I mean, you just gave an example about the, the Great Barrier Reef, et cetera. How do you, is, do you have a certain method that you use in your in your books for kids and for what age groups are they?
0: So my books are for kids aged four to nine um, uh-huh. and to introduce in the culture, yes. So I show the videos of it. So it's it's kind of that, again, it's that wow factor. It's that's so cool. I also do the characters in my book. There's four characters. I tried to make them as diverse as possible, more because I wanted kids to see themselves in the characters and see that, oh, look, someone like me is traveling to this country. Someone right. like me is doing this. So that's why I did it so that they can see themselves and imagine themselves traveling to these different countries. Uh-huh. Um, when I speak at schools and I read my book, I follow it by... What did you learn? What's the American culture? What did you learn about, say, Australia's culture? Uh What did you and why is it so important to learn? So we speak, excuse me, we speak for about 20 minutes just on the fact that culture, why it's important. I have the kids answer questions. So I tie it all together for them so they can understand.
1: What kind of questions do kids have that you talk to?
0: Um, What kind of questions do I ask them or what do they ask me?
1: What do they ask you?
0: So for the questions that they ask me, a lot of it is, will you write about this country? Because it's, it's neat. Cause you get to right. see how many kids are from or have relatives from other countries. Yeah. So you see, can you write about this country? Or have you been to this country or why did you write about this country? So again, I get to explore that as well because they're there that tells me that they're relating what I'm saying to them and their family. Cause I speak right. about how, someone they know, their friends, family, someone they're going to meet throughout their entire lives, they're going to meet people from other countries who have other cultures. And when they ask me those questions, it tells me that they know people from other countries. And so they're asking me, mm. what about that one? You know?
1: Are there taboos that you don't talk about with these kids?
0: Um, so I mean, so we get
1: a cultural context. and A cultural context, for instance, is is that the Dutch are quite liberal when it comes to smoking marijuana, for instance, which is a very common thing um to give you a small example i did some cultural exchange with um, a very catholic school in guatemala and i had a talk with the dean first and he said don't talk about religion don't talk about uh, sex and don't talk about uh, drugs i mean all these things drugs guatemala that's one sex these kids are way too young first question i got a kid 17 years old where are you from i'm from amsterdam second question do you smoke it yeah. is the first thing that came up. That, that's the And of course, I addressed that because they, they asked that question. So are there, coming back, are there taboos of, about the talks or stuff that you don't talk about?
0: Well, so far, because my kids are so young and they haven't really explored, uh-huh. explored the world, they don't know anything about the world. They're not really asking those types of questions. But I will say, for like my son, who we just got back from Barcelona, And we were at the beach and again, he's only nine and none of the little girls had tops on. Now it wasn't topless for adults, but all the little girls and he was just like, mom, they're not wearing tops. And so I did have that conversation with him and I actually brought him on my podcast so that he could share what he learned about it. And that was one of the things we talked about. I didn't shy away from it. Mm -hmm. I explained to him, yes. And, you know, different cultures. It's fine. You know, he went back and talked to his friends about it. He told his, you know, all about the experience. So, when for Americans, that type of stuff tends to be taboo, right? Yeah, don't, I know. Yeah. You know, so for the kids, though, look, in this country, they do this. I didn't shy away from it at all because mm-hmm. it's important for me, for him to understand that this is how other cultures do things. It's not it's always there. the same. And it's then not he here. shared it's- exactly. And he shared it with his friends, right? So he did continue that education with other kids.
1: Okay. Good. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting to see what kind of which way he will drift, you know, with 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 all this knowledge. Um, I have a couple of a couple of more questions left for you, which is um, one of them. How do you take away your your own culture, your own being American, whatever that may be, out of the books? Or do you just simply leave it leave it in because that is your audience?
0: I will say th- <laughs> I will say I am there are many things about America that I am proud of. But there are many things that I'm not. And Uh traveling the world definitely opens your eyes to that. Um, Food, say, for example, food that comes up almost every single day because I'm reminded I was just talking to my son and his friend this morning about the food because I just saw an article about about chicken being completely created in a lab. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Uh (laughs) And so we had a whole food conversation about the quality of food. Like in in Barcelona, we were there and how the cows were raised versus the cows here. Um, So when I travel, unfortunately, I do find myself, the more I really start to experience other cultures, the more I Do try to it's hard i i i try not to i try to immerse myself so much where i am that i don't think about america however everyone i meet is always interested in america right so no matter what it kind of is attached to me um because they are curious and it's not usually positive of course um I mean, it's a part of who I am, and we obviously have a lot of differences.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's good you or know. bad. It's just. I mean, yeah. I, use, I use a model of culture when I when I when I talk and teach, which is adult uh, adult learning. Is um, I use a model of culture which was developed by a Dutchman, uh, and that's just coincidental that I'm Dutch myself. And he he correctly wrote. He said, I I cannot. Get myself out of this equation either there will be part of my dutchness in the research that i've done just the way i've asked yeah. these questions because i cannot take myself out of yeah. my own culture which and it's not good or bad as long as you i think as long as you realize that
0: yeah i mean that's a really good point and no matter what you're gonna you're gonna think a certain way because that's still how yeah. you raised, what yeah. you're around you know and you can try to expand that but you can't take out that core and mm. it's always going to be there no matter
1: what so certain things for me are simply wrong even though i can i can neutralize it when i when i'm in front of a group of people or in front of somebody who wants to know about culture but that doesn't take away i have my personal opinion about such and such and personal preference about this and that which is that's that these are my norms and values and i do realize that if i if i had been born here in the netherlands adopted by a chinese couple in china my thought process would be completely different so
0: yeah Oh, anyway. Definitely. Well, I was just going to say one thing before we wrap up. And um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Never mind. Go ahead. I
1: adopted adopted China Chinese thinking.
0: Yeah. Oh. No, it's okay. Sorry. Okay.
1: Well, if it does pop up, never mind. I'm going to ask you for three, thi- three things to make yourself or to make one more culturally competent from your own experience, if you can.
0: From my own experience. Oh, that's what I was going to say the wrong, but right. Let me, let me add that real quick. Cause I know this is something that when you travel, you learn like, Oh, that's the wrong way. That's one of the things that I instill and this could kind of answer my, my one of my questions or one of my answers to your question as well is um, introducing the kids. That's one of the things I instill when I speak to all of the kids is, but is this wrong? No, it's not wrong. It's different. And right. to me starting to educate your kids from the very beginning, you could show them examples Anywhere in your own home, you don't even have to travel, but starting to introduce kids right away to it's not wrong. It's just different to me is one way to start tackling, embracing other cultures. Right. Yes. So that's one way. For For me, everything has been. Yes, definitely. You want to experience as much of the locals as possible, but as much of the local experience as possible, but I understand the hardest things. I understand Americans can't always do that. I understand why they do what they do. So for me, the biggest thing is, is, is just try to educate yourself as much as you can. There's so many resources out there. Now, a lot of people that travel can go to Facebook and there's a million groups out there. You can go to single parents going to Beijing or whatever, and you'll find groups on there. So there's so many ways to educate, or you can find the opposite, you know, it doesn't really matter. The point is there are so many groups out there that there's no reason why you can't be educated on what it's really like mm-hmm. and, and what you should know before you go anywhere or what it's really like to try to interest you and go in going there. So educate yourself as much as you can between groups, podcasts, you know, whatever it works for you. Mm-hmm. Um I do say start with children. I I do say I, I've learned and it's seeing things from their eyes, seeing the, the, it, it's, not only opens your eyes but it's just it's just magical honestly it's it's it really is so
1: all right excellent <laughs>
0: um
1: l- one last question then which is if people want to get in touch with you uh or know more about your books where can they do that
0: so my website is big world pub so like it's a big world out there so big world uh-huh. and then pub short for publishing
1: dot com dot something
0: yes bigworldpub.com.
1: Okay. All right. Um, anything else, that, uh, personally, about you, or or just they will find their contacts on that website as well.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I guess that's that's it was a great conversation. So it kind of opens your eyes to a lot of different things about culture. So I hope I did that. But especially with the power that you have to introduce your kids and the, yes. what, the change that you can make in the world just by opening your kids' eyes.
1: It's true. I I fully agree with that. <laughs> All right, Erica. it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I like the subject. It's a new subject that I have not uh, interviewed an adult about. I have interviewed a couple of kids, one from Guatemala, one from, from the U.S. and one from the Netherlands, my own daughter, which was kind of fun. These three kids talking to each other. Um, oh, that's that, that, was, that was kind of fun as well. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. Um, and um, I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future.
0: Yes. Thanks so
1: much, Chris. Ciao. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so in iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher and all other good places where you can find your podcast. If you are in iTunes, why don't you leave us a five star review because that will help the visibility of this podcast. Right. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. Check them out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters podcast, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. See you then. Bye. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.